1: fantasy football report for week seven. So much to discuss today. Uh, really excited to be joined by a guest this week, Sam Sherman from uh, Stat Chasing. Uh, if you haven't checked that out, definitely be sure to watch that uh, show and listen to that podcast. But uh, yeah, excited to have you joining us. How's it going?
2: I'm good. Yeah, thanks Blair. Thanks Hassan for having me. Um, yeah, I'm, jo- I'm glad I could join this week. I mean, unfortunately, we had a lot of injuries uh this week but that'll make for for an interesting show to break this down and yeah it was uh interesting week of football with you know cmc debuting for the 49ers and um a lot of injuries so excited to break it down yeah, yeah no
3: no th- and, and thanks for joining us by the way for those of you who don't follow sam please do at and underscore ffb um he is uh quickly becoming one of the premier sources for your your fantasy uh, info especially with his with his uh, charts that he puts out there on his on his feed. Um you really wanna wanna gonna want to get that into your life uh if you're a visual learner, which um if you're watching this podcast, I assume you are. If you listen to it, you're gonna want something to actually look at. So I would strongly, strongly encourage you to 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 subscribe and follow him on Twitter. And if it's um and you know what we're just gonna jump right into this. Um, Sam Wandale Robinson got six of eight targets for 50 yards in the Giants' week seven win over the Jaguars. Mm. Is it his time? Is this it?
2: I think it is. I mean, I, I was monitoring this situation closely. I think he had about 20 to 25% of uh, the routes run last week, and that jumped up all the way to around the 80% range this week, uh, just looking at the data quickly. So I think that's really exciting. He's by far the most talented wide receiver on the Giants right now. If, you know, I don't know if Katarius Tony even exists anymore. Maybe he can, he can challenge for that once he comes back. But yeah, I think it's, it's definitely time for Wandale and I'm, I'm starting him with confidence in, in a lot of places.
3: Yeah. That's actually genuinely pretty exciting to hear, you know, just, just because it's his price was so, so cheap in, in best ball this offseason. I know you've been big on the resurrection drafts. Uh, what has his price like climbed up? significantly there like
2: what what is your take on his on his status going forward yeah that's a good question so I think the the resurrection um closed I believe a couple of weeks ago I think his price was pretty depressed in that because he was still had that injury um when those drafts closed so we didn't really get to get much of a look at him but um yeah you know it, for the price you got him at this summer and what the 16th 15th round in basketball drafts I think that looks like it's going to pay off the giants offense, obviously the ton of the giants offense is going to run through Barkley, but it does look a lot more efficient and explosive than I expected to start the year. And he looks like the, the main guy uh, in the passing game there. So um, yeah, definitely excited about him going forward.
3: Um, An auxiliary guy, uh, Darius Slayton seems to be making waves. Like he had, uh, he got three of his six targets today for 58 yards and a score. Uh, I have I picked up and then dropped Slayton in a bunch of places like what are your thoughts on him is he startable is he just sort of a flyer uh what are you doing with Slayton here
2: yeah I think I think he's startable as sort of a flyer uh flex type start I think he's like from watching the game today Wandale is getting a lot more of the scheme sort of short area targets and I think you can expect like a decent ppr floor for him slayton is the bigger bodied guy that's getting used deeper down the field i think we saw that a lot in his in his rookie year that was quite impressive um he had a lot of yards and sort of limited catches deep a guy so if you're in a pinch i think he's a decent upside shot in that he can break the long play but i, th- I think what's interesting with the giants I'm, I'm looking at the routes run now um Marcus Johnson actually led the team in routes with 36, and then Wandale and Slayton are down in the 29 and 26 uh, routes run range. So I I would think that would shift and that Slayton and Wandale will start to run all the routes and take some away from Sills, Marcus Johnson, like these guys that we've never heard of. But um, there could be a little bit of hidden upside there if if Slayton and Wandale can get a little bit uh, more routes, which I think is possible.
1: Yeah, Wandale did take a kind of a big hit in this one and limp off the field in the first half. Oh, God. He ended up staying in the game, but um, that he actually wasn't used that much after, after that hit. And that also probably had something to do with him, not getting a ton of routes, but uh, hopefully it's nothing serious there.
3: Uh, yeah. Just to, just to round out this picture, Marcus Johnson may be running all the routes, but man is out there just exercising. Uh, <laughs> he, he He had like three targets and he put up a goose egg there um like this this guy i mean like like what's he doing running wind sprints right like uh do they even use him as a deep i don't know
2: maybe just you know jogging um i think yeah alan robinson sent him his uh cardio routine i think um before the game
3: (laughs) honestly honestly they should uh, i'm actually just gonna start doing what they're doing just because it seems to be a good way to stay in shape you know (laughs) just just running jogging up and down (laughs) um Uh, one guy who we are big fans of on the Jaguar side, just because they did lose, but Christian Kirk had a kind of a big showing, 10 targets. He caught seven of those for 96 yards. Sam, like, where are you ranking Christian Kirk uh, rest of the season? Like, do you have him as, like, you know, wide receiver? Like, do you put him as, like, a top 12 wide receiver, or where where do you have him, really, given this target volume and upside?
2: Yeah, um, I think – Topped, You know, he started off the season in the first four weeks, I believe, in a role that looked like it was wide receiver one, top 12 usage. Now, that kind of fell off a cliff the past couple of weeks with some low target games when the, the Jaguars offense just collapsed for whatever reason. I think now he's more, for me, probably in the mid-range wide receiver two uh, range. Like, I look at a lot of weighted targets per route run, and before this week, he's in the 50% range for weighted targets for route run. So that's, that's solid, but not, not elite, not true wide receiver one uh, uh, usage. Um, and just to explain that metric more, I'm sure uh, your listeners are, are familiar, but it's essentially targets for route run, but adjusted for, for a dot uh, there. So yeah, I, I would say mid range wide receiver two. I think if the Jags offense um, picks things up a little bit, he still has a lot of upside, but yeah, um, not, not completely dominating targets in that offense. Uh,
1: I think, uh, well, yeah, um, I think that's probably right about Kirk. I mean, part of the problem is you kind of have a question about what kind of offense you're going to get out of Jacksonville, even on a week when, when Lawrence attempts 40, what, 43 passes? 43. Yeah. It's still not no, true for, true for no touchdowns though. Right. There's still not a lot of fantasy scoring for these uh, wide receivers. I mean, um, yeah one thing that i was happy to see though is etn getting basically all of the running back work i mean i think james robinson had one target and one target and no carries and that was it so yeah um and, i've been waiting for ETN yeah.
2: yeah sorry go go ahead. Ahead. and i was gonna say and just the the like underlying routes really backed that up it was 24 routes for etn to just four for james robinson so i think we saw like a pretty Close 50-50 split in the passing game usage um, for most of the season, and now that seems to be going all ETN, which is really bullish for him the rest of the season. Uh, yeah.
3: it, it it sounds it sounds a little crazy to say that, but there's still upside here with ETN, right? Like 14 carries, 114 yards in a score. Lawrence still vultured another goal line score, which is really frustrating because he's not throwing any, but he's taking them away from ETN. And then ETN caught one of his five targets for five yards, right? Mm-hmm. Like 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 you're looking at ETN. Uh I, I don't know about about you, Sam or Blair, but like I've probably got ETN as like a top eight running back rest of the
2: season. Yeah, I mean with the Paul injury and all this other chaos, i it's hard to disagree with that. And and also to your point, I think he also ETN fumbled at like the five yard line in this game too, yeah, on a play right. that looked like it could have been a touchdown. So he could have, like you said, the stat line could have been Insane today, Um, but yeah, I think that's about right. Like he's definitely in the uh, running back one conversation with the usage today. Blair, Blair, you have thoughts on that?
1: No, I agree, and I mean the one thing that's been really nice about ETN is even when like in every week pretty much he's been just crazy efficient, especially with the rushing. And uh, so to see him start to get the workload that kind of will make. Make the scoring more consistent, you can see him have just a pretty insane ceiling if he could if he could kind of combine you know get into the end zone a couple more times instead of fumbling at the goal line uh, but i uh,
3: uh, I really hate to interject, so just just as a reminder, we do record this like at seven p m this is during the like the, the 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 middle of the the games that are going on uh Patrick Mahomes just threw a thirty one yard touchdown well there was thirty one yards after the catch forty five yard touchdown to our boy Juju Smith schuster. <laughs> guys right. se- juju smith schuster with seven receptions 125 yards and a score uh we will be discussing breaking this game down later in the show so for audio listeners uh you this is just as a preview because uh we're reacting to this right now but, but but just to go back to 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 uh just the, the jaguars offense i wanted to get your guys' takes on this because i'm a little lost here Evan Ingram, Marvin Jones, and Zay Jones have appeared as some kind of clear tier below Christian Kirk, right? How do you rank these three going forward, rest of the season, just 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 raw uh, for, from a from a raw production? Because I think I've got Zay Jones ahead of Evan Ingram and Marvin Jones, but I've got Evan Ingram ranked over Marvin Jones.
2: <sighs> I think, yeah, I mean, if we're just talking like fantasy points uh i agree with that i think just like obviously the tight end eligibility for evan ingram like i think he's perhaps a slightly more valuable fantasy asset than zay jones just because he can play him at tight end um he so over the the first six weeks this is it doesn't factor in this past week um his pass route percentage so percent of team dropbacks where he's running a passing route is at around 80 percent which is a top seven uh, rate in the entire NFL, the tight end position around guys like Kittle, Andrews, Kelsey, Higby, et cetera. So his passing game role is really strong. And I think that there could be some blow up games coming for Ingram. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. If like I'm projecting the points out, I would put Jones ahead of Ingram, but just the fantasy asset value is maybe slightly higher for Ingram.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, you can't afford to to kind of uh, sneeze at seven targets at the tight end position. But I mean, in terms of the receivers on this team, like, I don't, I honestly don't want them kind of <laughs> You're my fantasy teams, uh, except for Kirk. but I don't, it would be nice if we saw, you know, Lawrence had that one big game where he was, he was making things happen through the air. Um, if we see that a few more times, and we think that there can be some some scoring on this team on a regular basis in the passing game, then maybe maybe things change. But yeah, I don't know. It's hard to roster Zay
2: Jones, right? Yeah, it doesn't feel like a lot of upside there with Zay Jones.
1: Yeah, I
3: mean, I, I mean, the only the only reason I'm talking about these guys is, uh, I mean, Evan Ingram's definitely rostered, especially when it comes down to the FFPC. Mm-hmm. but if Zay or Marvin Jones are somehow out there in your main events or our football guys teams, uh, you know, we're, we're in a, we're, we're getting into the buys and some of them have like, they're just very heavy. Like, I don't know about you guys, but this week, um, uh, you know, with the, uh, with the, with the handful of the teams that were gone, <laughs> I was left plugging in guys like James Robinson and stuff into lineups and getting rewarded with, you know, eggs. like <laughs> might as well. I'm not bothered at that point. Right. Like, Oh, what am I
2: even doing here? Um, yeah, that, I will say the, the one note on, note on Zay Jones, which I think is interesting. If you look at, uh, again, back to the weighted targets for route run metric, he actually has a higher weighted targets for route run than Kirk. It's it's quite close. It's not like a noticeable difference and yeah. that can even change after this week's data, but their roles aren't that different. It's just that, you know, I think Kirk is a better player and more likely to, to be efficient on his targets uh, yeah, going definitely. forward. But there is some sort of like, buy low upside with zay jones there whereas his role is stronger than his fantasy point scoring would suggest i think yeah
3: yeah um i mean uh here's another guy who we thought was kind of left for dead uh antonio gibson he rushed 10 times for 59 yards today and he also got uh you know he had three receptions for 18 yards and a score uh in the and this is going to sound crazy the commanders is week seven win over the packers so <laughs> um i guess realistically with, with with gibson are you buying this level of usage versus you know brian robinson who they you know clearly prefer or like is, is like gibson more game flow dependent that's tough um
2: you know i i would like to see the snaps data on this one i don't have that in front of me yet but just looking at the box score what stands out to me is You know, it looks like Gibson took over for McKissick more so than he took over for Robinson. Robinson was still heavily involved with 20 carries. He saw two targets of his own, whereas McKissick only had two targets, no catches, only had one carry. So if this moves into a situation where Gibson becomes the preferred third down and passing down back, I think on this offense that's likely to be playing from behind a bunch, he can have some sort of consistent PPR fantasy value. Now I just don't know if this was sort of like a fluky box score where I where I can I can't see that McKissick actually played a bunch or whatever yet but I, I don't know I guess my, my my to be a little more concrete like I think we need this to become a two man backfield instead of a three man to really trust Gibson but you know he he just looks so much better than Robinson and McKissick out there I don't quite get why his role has been reduced but um, I probably need to see this a little bit more consistently to like trust him on a game-in, game-out basis. Um, uh,
3: I think I think realistically, what happened to to McKissick uh, is, and this, and even when the the, the data comes out, is going to probably back me up. Is uh, Green Bay went up really early in the first quarter off of a uh, uh, McKissick, where he kind of I think he got in like it was a pass intended for McKissick, then it was intercepted and ra- ran back for 63 yards for a score um but then again that's kind of always been like like JD McKissick has always been this kind of lacking upside kind of guy right like he's just sort of been this theoretic type yeah exactly this theoretic yeah. but like but like without the yak ability like he just sort of been like yeah. a guy who catches the football and falls down and like that's been his like that's where you get like 15 PPR points out of him mm-hmm. but like you know, just, just to what you just said, like, yeah, it'd be great to have an actual explosive playmaker and Gibson getting that work. Right. And so maybe, maybe this, like maybe today could be the start of
2: this going into a two man backfield situation. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Just from watching the game, like you would think that the commanders coaches, when you see Gibson try to get, get to the edge and then compare that to Brian Robinson, it's like they're playing different sports. I, I can't, I can't see how the coaches won't, see that there's just a couple plays in this game where gibson is clearly clearly more explosive so uh you never know what's going on behind the scenes there but you would think this this signal is more usually going forward yeah uh, uh, it i mean
3: they gave they gave curtis samuel a handful of carries more than I, I think they've historically given him he had five carries for 26 yards also saw eight targets he caught five of them for 53 yards um yeah. i mean i mean like Curtis Samuel like clearly has like like I guess the the question really for you, Sam, is is Samuel like a a you know, can you flex him with
2: confidence? I think so. I I, I think the stat this season and I guess has changed this week. Oh no, Samuel and McLaurin both have the same amount of targets. I think Samuel has out targeted McLaurin in every game this year or something yep. close to that. You know, he's getting a lot of the schemes, short area screens you know looks out of the backfield that type of stuff so they're not the most valuable targets but I think they're very consistent and I think he really has a steady PPR floor where unless you have you're just completely stocked at, at wide receiver and hit on all your early round picks I think if you you know picked up Samuel early on waivers or, or draft him late on your teams I think he's someone that you can start with
3: on the Packers' side of the ball, wanted to talk about Romeo Dobbs. Um, Four targets and goose eggs across the board. Is this just sort of, like, growing pains here, in in, in your opinion, or, um, you know, does he need to do more, really, to earn uh, Aaron Rodgers' trust? Although, to be fair, like, not like
2: the other wide receivers are much better here. (laughs) Yeah, you got Sammy Watkins out there. Uh, Randall Cobb. I guess Randall Cobb's injured. Man, I don't know. It's it's tough with Dobbs because his I think his target earning stuff has been okay. You know, looking up into this week again, um, looking at weighted targets for route run of around 50%. That's in sort of a, a middling range, but pretty pretty solid um, for a rookie. Something you'd expect that you know he could grow on throughout the course of the year once he gets up to speed in the NFL. But man, the results just haven't haven't been there for him and I wonder if, you know, like once Christian Watson comes back, once Cobb gets back, they're gonna go to more of a rotation versus versus playing Dobbs in a full time role. That that's a bit of speculation, but um he's been out there a lot and hasn't really performed super well. And um I wonder if that will sort of hurt him in the long run.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, uh go ahead
3: no i was just gonna say blair like um because like this is a team that's genuinely prided itself on punting wide receiver for the last few years like they and then the, and then they like the early second round pick that they spent on christian watson really hasn't come to fruition right they spent the last pan, like bunch of drafts passing on the pass catchers in order to pick up defensive players right and if Put, they've put in so many resources into their defense, and, and and like realistically, what does it earn them? Is a first round exit every every year, right, in the playoffs, mm. and frankly, in humiliating in humiliating fashion, right? Um, I mean today they used Aaron Jones as their primary like rec, like receiver, ten targets, he got nine of those for fifty three for fifty three yards and two scores. Like it, it, I mean, I don't know if you guys watched the second score, but like he's really bailed out Rogers on what was frankly an underthrown pass like had the db turned around that was an int um I, I mean rogers has been playing like a man who's been like you know consuming ayahuasca this entire offseason anyway <laughs> so uh so so that's not uh ideal but the fact that you're relying on a running back as your primary like for the first time this season they've relied on him as their primary pass catcher i think that spells i mean should like this like, the fact that there aren't you know, alarm bells going off in Green Bay right now is, is, is like ridiculous to me. Um, uh, Sam, like what are your thoughts on, on this, like, you know, Aaron Jones's role going forward. Yeah. Do, do, do you really think that, you know, he is set up for some kind of CMC light, you know, 20, from 2019 kind of usage going forward?
2: You know, I, I kind of was buying that narrative going into the year that his receiving usage was going to spike without Devontae Adams. There was people had brought up the splits in the past couple of years whenever Devontae had missed time that Jones receiving usage goes way up. But to start the year up until today, that has really not been true. He hadn't seen more than five targets in any game so far this season, averaging less than four targets uh, per game, which is actually less uh targets than he had been receiving each of the past three years so you know it's definitely a good sign today for him that that target um usage spiked up to 10 but i'm kind of seeing it more as noise uh than a true trend for now given it's just one out of seven games and he really hasn't um, been a huge factor in the receiving game up into today. So yeah, definitely something I'm monitoring, but I'm I'm more likely to to see that as noise than than a true trend. I think also the fact they they lost the game today, it's not going to be like, oh, this really worked like, you know, they they, they lost the game, so sometimes yeah. I think that that stuff matters for for coaches when they're game planning going forward.
1: Yeah, the other thing about this game is that it was the first I mean, up until now, it's been kind of an even split between Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon and this was the first time in fact in a lot of games dylan has actually had more targets than jones um this was really the first time that that dylan kind of was completely uh not even yeah. used in the passing game
3: no uh script went pretty sideways to them pretty quick but he wasn't
1: even seeing much
3: usage when they were le- when they were leading yeah um and he, he wasn't on the injury report at all
2: was he right i didn't see no. anything yeah just, just to your point, I, I, I saw the Green Bay snaps stuff just came out. Forty snaps today for Aaron Jones to sixteen for AJ Dillon. Mm-hmm. That's a huge, huge difference from yeah. what we have seen so far this year. And twenty-five routes for Jones to just eight, eight for Dillon.
3: Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, that's like a, that's a, that's a wide gulf. Um, I guess it's something to monitor on the Dillon front, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Sam is right that it's, you know, it's just one game, uh, that green bay lost so it's not necessarily a trend just yet but it's definitely yeah. something something tomorrow yeah and if
2: this snap i guess when i said that i i, I hadn't seen the snap data yet so i think that's a good point blair that if if this uh snap usage is sticky for these two running backs then maybe we can start to see the aaron jones yeah uh, passing game upside a bit more um,
1: i think that jones has led in snaps pretty much every game this year but it's never been by this big a margin it's Mm -hmm. usually been like five or ten yeah yeah
3: it's been it's been kind of thin um yeah i mean uh, but here's the thing right like we're a little under a little over a third of the way through the season like i don't really know if guys who were taking jones that one two turn are really gonna get the returns they were looking for (laughs) from him anyway He's been fairly quiet until this week. Like he's he's delivered you very consistent RB three weeks, which <laughs> that, that that price is not going to get you anything.
2: Yeah, and it also like I think the thing with Jones that made him such an exciting fantasy asset in years past is that the Green Bay offense was humming a lot of those years, and he could just luck into that like five touchdown game or that three receiving touchdown game that you know we'd seen a couple of those huge games from him in the past and. Man, with this Green Bay offense right now, it's it's kind of hard to to see him getting those huge, you know, multi-touchdown games going forward. But we'll see, I guess. Maybe I don't know. Maybe Rodgers can uh, take uh, some DMT or something and and turn this around. Um. Yeah, that's 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 what he needs to do.
1: Um. <laughs> Seeing as we're talking, Ken Walker, 74-yard touchdown run. Oh wow. Um.
3: Yeah, we can just, and that should be just a bit of a tease for what's coming for what's coming later. Cause I I do have uh some questions of for, for Sam down down at the end. Um we're gonna talk about his counterpart later, his trade counterpart, but you know, DJ Moore today got seven of his ten targets for sixty-nine yards and the yards and a score in Carolina's week seven win over Tampa Bay. Um Sam, like this is it, right? It gets now or never for DJM.
2: Yeah, I think uh this, this was definitely promising to see that he, um, you know, dominated targets uh, in this game with CMC out. You know, my guess as to what kind of is going on here from a football standpoint is that a lot of sort of schemed short area stuff that was going to McCaffrey out of the backfield probably shifted over to Moore, Um, you know, with Hubbard and Deonta Foreman not providing much in that area. So I think you can keep a light on for more i think like the panic on him was a little bit overblown and that his role was was still pretty solid it's honestly like a little bit of a you know kyle pitts drake london situation like really good role and just an awful offense and um if that role gets a little bit better and the panthers offense can get a little bit uh, a little bit less awful maybe with with darnold potentially coming back and giving a little bit of, of life into that offense. I think, I think DJ Moore can, you know, do better to close out the year. Um, And again, I guess to the, to the Darnold point, I was originally sort of skeptical about any kind of narrative of Sam Darnold saving uh, anyone's fantasy (laughs) season, but DJ Moore did have a pretty good stretch with him to start the year last year. Um, So, you know, I think we all think Darnold sucks but he probably sucks less than this version of baker and, and pj walker so um yeah we'll
1: see only uh 22 pass attempts in this game but the guy who was tied for second in targets Terrace marshall at 31 yards um probably it's nothing but do you think that he might become relevant all of a sudden
2: with the with the all these targets opening up um <laughs> i honestly i i don't i don't think so i I've fallen for the, the Terrace Marshall thing before. Um, so maybe I'm I'm biased for getting burned on that. But yeah, he hasn't really shown much at the NFL level, had a really bad targets for route run last year. I think one of the the worst in the rookie class from last year. And I think I would not be I would not be chasing the Terrace Marshall stuff. Um it's just, you know, I think in this offense, it's DJ Moore. Um maybe one of the running backs will emerge. I think Foreman actually got got hurt today, so maybe Hubbard is playable as sort of a, a flex, but you're not looking deep into the ancillary pieces for, you know, Shy Smith or Terrace Marshall uh in this offense. Um uh, hey.
1: what I did want to ask about the running backs <clears throat> I think it was Hubbard that hurt his ankle.
2: Oh was it okay maybe I got that mixed um, up. Sorry.
1: Yeah he actually uh he got the start and then Foreman came in and and played better, but I think it was because Hubbard left the game. Oh, no, he didn't leave until the fourth quarter.
2: Um, Yeah, I'm seeing Hubbard, yeah, left in in the fourth quarter with an ankle, apparently. So not many details on that yet. Right. I mean,
1: if Hubbard is hurt, then obviously Foreman is going to get at least a shot to kind of be the lead back for the short term. But is there – do you have a lean on this backfield as to who you'd rather – kind of add to your teams?
2: Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it'd be interesting to see what the the numbers were pre-injury. I'm guessing it was pretty close to a 50-50 split. Um, mm-hmm. My lean would be Foreman, I think, just from a talent perspective. I thought he looked pretty good last year in, in Tennessee, sort of filling in for Derrick Henry. I don't think Hubbard really showed much at all last year, filling in for... McCaffrey so just sort of based off that that small sample I'd prefer forming it and it does look like he had the edge in usage today in terms of snaps but again that that might have been due to injury I'm guessing it was it was pretty close to to 50-50 yeah um
3: so uh Kyle Pitts got three of his five targets for nine yards the Falcons is a week seven loss to the Bengals um I'm not even going to say it. I mean, like, realistically, I don't even know what to say because it was such a disappointing beatdown. Um, like, Marcus Mariota attempted 13 passes in a game where the Bengals beat the snot out of them. Like, you know, like, if, if you're not going to throw the football, and he, and he he led the team in targets, right? Like, he had five targets today. Um, if, if you're not going to throw the football and you're going to establish a run being down multiple scores, and on the other, and on the other side, like, like what hope do we have mm. for any of these pass catchers in Drake London or or Kyle Pitts to even hit one? You know, like Sam, I want to get your your take there. And two, do you think it's
2: time for them to finally
3: just throw in the towel and play Ritter?
2: Yeah. So as to the, I'll I'll talk about the Ritter thing second. Just, just assuming that yeah. Mariota stays in offense first, I think this is a huge red flag for any hope you have for the falcons pass catchers unfortunately i for some reason i have a lot of falcons on my fantasy team this year i, I don't know i don't know how that happened we're still looking <laughs> for the guy. we're still looking for the guy who did that um but man so i had some hope that in a game where the falcons were going to get pushed they would open up the offense a little bit there was some reason to believe that the stretch of really low pass temp games was just due to game script, the Falcons had done a good job of sort of staying close in games and getting a lead, but man, it's just brutal that even when they're down the entire game, they're not opening up the offense at all, you know, and then five of their six next games are against the Panthers twice, the bears, the commanders and the Steelers. So like, not. yeah, that's just not looking good. I mean, maybe them being pushed doesn't even matter, but they're not going to really get pushed in those games too much, I don't think, anyways. And then and then to the Ritter point, the thing is that division is so bad, right? The Bucks lost to the Panthers today. The Saints got killed by the Cardinals. Like the Falcons are still very much in the division race. And I think that's going to push Arthur Smith to keep Mariota as the starter as long as they're in contention. I would guess, I mean, we don't know anything about Ritter, right? But I would guess that Mariota still gives the team a better chance of winning football games, even though the style of play for that offense is, is really bad. So yeah, I have a, I have a hard time seeing them, them make the move to Ritter because I think Mariota is, is kind of executing how Arthur Smith wants the offense to be run. But yeah, to your point again, like if, if we're going to have any hope for the pass catchers, I think we need a, a new quarterback in there because we've seen how Arthur Smith wants to run the offense with, with Mariota and it's just the it's one of the most unfriendly, you know, passing games I've seen for for pass catchers uh over the last <laughs> several years. Might as well just
3: move to the wing T, man. <laughs> like, 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 like what's even weirder is that like we're not seeing, I don't know, more RPO stuff from Mariota, right? Like he's putting up a decent floor, but just I don't know, nothing there. Um yeah. Uh, just, just wanted to make a brief note. Like Tyler Boyd got eight of his nine targets for 155 yards in a score, so I think that's his career high in yardage there. Um, but I think every Bengals player dumpstered the, the the Falcons today. So you know, how are you? Can you like reliably start Boyd, or is this just a more noise here? And he's just a guy who you're
2: just gonna miss on? Yeah, Oof. that's a tough one. I don't know. I I, th- I think that like I I thought that some of the Boyd stuff today was maybe due to T Higgins still being a little bit limited with the ankle. I did see um, Mike Thomas like playing a little bit more than I'd expect for Higgins on a normal week. So that might be that may, might be explained like part of why Boyd has seen um, some better performances the past couple weeks. But yeah, I don't know. I think he's still in the wide receiver three range. And like, he's definitely somebody uh, during bye weeks that you probably have to start. Um, And I think the thing that you can be excited about is like, he definitely has upside. This is a good offense. We know there will be games where they can air it out and score a ton of points. So he's definitely like a higher upside, maybe flex um, fill in, but I'm not sure we're at the point where, you know, he's a plug and play wide receiver too, or, or anything along those lines.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably right. I mean, with with the buys like you said, you almost you almost have to start him, especially when he can give you a game like this even when when Higgins is healthy and stuff. I mean, the the Bengals use a lot of three wide receiver sets, so he's on the field a lot for for kind of a third wide receiver option. So, um they're definitely worse worse players to have in your starting lineup, but uh he's always hard to trust, I think.
2: Yeah. I did. I did want to make a quick note on. We can go back to the, to the Bengals if you have more questions. Just before we move on to the Falcons, I did just quickly want to throw out that it looks like Algier took over that backfield today in a pretty meaningful way. Um, 29 snaps to Caleb Huntley's 11, and I think it had been much closer to a 50-50 split with with those guys in past week. So that's something to note there. I think you can have a little bit more confidence in starting Algier. Um, you know once Damian williams and, and cpat come back that will muddy things up again but at least until those guys are are back Algier looks like a pretty solid flex rb 2 um, starter yeah uh,
3: that's actually a really good note especially when you're trying to catch these guys in their pockets of like peak usage right then algier is one of those guys sitting sitting right in that pocket um uh, gonna skip a little bit down on our on our sheet we're gonna uh, there's a, been a lot of movement in these uh, pm games that we got to get to um, initially i want to talk about Brees hall he was going off before he was diagnosed with a knee injury and did not return to the Jets' week seven game against the broncos there um the jets uh beat the broncos uh surprise surprise um and and, and michael carter saw a lot of work there uh you know assuming Brees is sidelined for a few weeks like where are you ranking michael carter like is he like in that same you know rb like is he like in that top 15 uh, RB range for you or or what are you doing there
2: yeah I think he's definitely in the the top 15 running backs um especially during the bye weeks I think I I think the talent on Michael Carter is is pretty good we saw it early this year um he had some big games some big target um and, and high catch games last year I thought he looked pretty good as a rookie they just kind of used him in this frustrating timeshare with Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson so um I would guess with how they've like used Carter and Brees so far this year, it's been a pretty clear cut, just two man backfield. They introduced Ty Johnson, I think, in like week two and then quickly like threw him back to the sideline. So I think that's a bit of a signal that they they really view it's Carter and Brees Hall and then like a big tier break to their next uh next group of running back. So I'd expect I'd expect strong usage for Carter, um, as long as Brees is out. I think, you know low end r b one status sounds sounds about right to me,
1: yeah, that's a good point even when when um even with hall in the game and even the last few games with him kind of really taking over the backfield, still Carter had some value where he was getting a lot of goal line carries he was getting some a few targets, so um you know there's still you know like you could even see these guys both be like a top twenty four running back in in uh some scenarios without too much trouble. So I think if if Hall does have to miss a lot of time, then Carter is like a must-start player. Yeah. Yeah,
3: J- uh, Jets are clearly interested in making sure that they can just hide the Zach Wilson, which is quite a game they're
2: playing right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. The last thing I wanted to have on, on Hall, just to give an idea of sort of like the workload he's opening up, um, he has about a 15... He has, yeah, over 15 expected points per game with around 10 of those per game coming from the receiving role. This is, this is from um, PFF, I believe. Um, So, you know, slightly different across sources for this metric, but that's a pretty large workload. Um, As far as, you know, AFC running backs go, that's sort of top five expected fantasy point workload. So that's a pretty, pretty big role. I think we've seen the Jets funnel a lot of past game usage to the running backs. And I don't see why Carter, I think Carter has the talent to sort of take on uh that that receiving usage if all this time
3: um, yeah before before we move on from well there's, there's actually some stuff i want to discuss on the, on the broncos side really um so melvin melvin gordon and is clearly the starter but he's also in a timeshare there now with latavius murray and mike boone uh, gordon had 11 carries for 33 yards he also had four targets that he caught, two of them for 17 yards um, right behind him was Latavius with eight carries for 24 yards and a score, like, uh, a, like the, their only touchdown today. And he also had three targets uh, that he caught two for for minus one yards. Um, uh, Sam, like, you know, I mean, uh, sorry, and then Mike Boone had four, four carries, 23 yards, and he didn't really get targeted in the receiving game. Um, is, you know, what are you doing with any of these RBs? Like, it seems to be a three-headed monster. Are you or are you just waiting for the dust to settle before you can really reliably play one of two?
2: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm desperate in some leagues where I I considered starting Melvin Gordon and even you know in some pretty bad running back rooms I I benched him this week and I I think that's kind of be my approach going forward. It looks like you know it looks like a three-man like a true three-man split on a terrible offense like. Regardless of it's Rippian or, or Rippin or Russell Wilson, it's just a bad offense, right? And I think, yeah, those combination of factors make it really hard to play any of three of these guys. I think they're all pretty low floor and also low ceiling bets right now. So you know, maybe if one of them goes down and it goes to two man, you could you could start up one of these guys, but I think it's going to kind of remain a frustrating three-man split. I don't see any three of these guys really having like the talent to take over this entire backfield a- at this point. Uh,
3: actually, just want to back up to the Brees Hall and Michael Carter discussion. Rappaport just, just reported that uh, Jets head coach Robert Saleh tells reporters that early tests indicate a serious knee injury for RB Brees Hall. They're having more tests done to, to determine if it is in fact an ACL. So prayers up for Brees. It would be a real shame to lose him after the kind of
2: season that he was having. Yeah, that's man, it's sad how many exciting running back prospects have had serious injuries their uh their first year over the past couple of years. Um that's a that's a real bummer. He looked he looked amazing, so. That's really
3: uh, I mean, a, another guy, oh, an exciting player unfortunately who was guarded off with a knee injury was DK Metcalf. He left the Chargers with a knee injury just in return. It was I don't know if any of you guys saw this, but it was kind of ugly. Um they are very they very quickly ruled him out. I mean, in, in his stead, they've been going to, and I shit you not, Marquise Goodwin. Caught four of his five targets for 67 yards and two scores. The game is still ongoing. Um, so, Sam, realistically, what does this do for Tyler Lockett rest of the season? And as we heard earlier, like with Kenneth Walker breaking off a massive
2: massive run, where do you rank him going forward as well? Mm. Yeah, starting with the the Tyler Lockett discussion, if if Metcalf is out for the season or for for a long stretch, I think that bumps up Lockett slightly, but I don't think to to a massive extent. I think that that target tree was already heavily condensed to Lockett and Metcalf. And I think there sort of reaches a point of of diminishing returns, right? Where I don't expect, you know sort of small frame Tyler Lockett at this point in his career to command some insane like 40% target share or something. But, you know, you have to say it's, I think a slight, slight boost to him just to reliably earn a little bit um, more targets on that team if Metcalf is indeed out. And I would sort of be ranking him in the maybe back end wide receiver two, um, you know, front end wide receiver three, three range. I think his usage has been solid. And then on Walker, uh, to that question, I think I think you have to rank him as a top top five running back um, rest of season or, or some somewhere close to that. You know, I'm taking taking Eckler over him, taking Barkley over him for sure. Uh, McCaffrey, yeah, McCaffrey. And then it starts. I mean, Hall would have been up there, right? But after mm-hmm. those three, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of throw your hands up. I think you can make arguments <laughs> for a lot of different guys in that range, but his usage has been really strong. He looks incredibly talented. Can can break off, um, you know, long runs. And even his like his passing game usage, which was a, a big red flag, has been a little better than expected. Looks like today actually he was held without a target. Um, but he has had some receiving usage up until this week. So yeah, I think he's right up there. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask about that because he didn't get a target today. But if Metcalf is, uh having to miss some time. I mean, you could see Walker start to get a little bit more involved in that. Um, Basically since Penny went down and since Walker kind of took over as the leading rusher, they haven't been using him quite as much. They've kind of been going to DJ Dallas in that receiving role. So Mm -hmm. um, I guess that's kind of the only, the only red flag I would still have on Walker is that he's maybe not getting getting that receiving usage that you want to see but maybe maybe there are opportunities for for that part of his game to to grow still yeah i mean we, we won't know yet but he does have
3: that long run ability kind of like nick chubb right mm-hmm. where like chubb doesn't get a lot of targets and he or even derek well derek henry's still getting fed in the passing game now it's crazy <laughs> but like but like you know these guys like like uh you no know, explosive running backs man like uh wrote of his staple um just wanted to talk you you mentioned eckler so he actually went off today as well nine carries 31 yards and a score 12 targets 12 catches 96 yards and a score um chargers are off next week uh mike williams actually he went down for the bolts today he his right ankle and his, his like right leg got rolled up um the bye couldn't come at a better time for them but you know exiting the bye, how do you do you see eckler's role you know staying consistent uh, do, you, do you worry Keenan Allen's return, uh, you know, in full-fledged like his receiving usage? How are you playing the bolts here? And uh, if Mike Williams does miss a lot of time, do you think
2: Gerald Gerald Everett becomes a wide receiver too? Yeah, yeah, that's a good um, good question. I think starting with Eckler, uh, I was watching the Keenan return closely today. To see if that would impact his receiving usage. Looks like today it it obviously did not. Now I assume Keenan did not run a full slate of routes, um, so we'll we'll be looking at the data for that. But man, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I think it probably has some impact on Eckler's usage, but not a massive one. We've seen Eckler do this receiving game stuff for years while Keenan Allen's been on the field with him. I don't expect like some massive downgrade in Eckler's receiving role, even when Keenan gets back to full strength. And yeah, I, I just want to point out with this, this Eckler receiving usage is insane around, you know, he's getting up close to 15 expected fantasy points just from the receiving game alone, which is I'm um, um, pretty, pretty ridiculous. And I assume that'll even rise after today. Now on the, uh, the rest of the pass catchers, I would think um, if Williams goes down, you can start both uh, Everett and Carter with a little bit more confidence. Uh, I think Everett jumps into sort of the low-end, tight end one discussion there, and Carter's sort of like a, a viable flex play. I think Palmer is also dealing with an injury now, so there yeah. could be a scenario where the <clears throat> target's really... If Williams is out, Keenan's you know 50%, I think you could see a lot of the targets go to eckler and a little bit more than you'd expect to to everett and carter um so definitely a situation to monitor um going forward with those guys yeah i i, I think part of the so this is the the hot date
3: that i teased earlier is that i think a lot of this eckler usage especially these targets are coming not just as a result of the game plan but also because i think herbert is still dealing with that rib injury hmm. right like remember like when you suffer that massive rib hit rib hit like using Eckler is a true safety blanket and just letting him roll up yak has sort of worked well for the chargers. I'm I'm very curious to see if, uh, Herbert's yards per attempt or if his changes post, post, uh, post week eight, you know, um, because that would be very telling. Cause I, I mean, like we, we were hearing at the time, remember when he got hurt. Oh, he should be out until, uh, the bye. Um, and so, and so, I'm going to be very interested to see if that does change, or if we're going to see a lot more short stuff, because um, uh, Herbert has looked, you know, for lack of a better word, kind of bad on his on on a, for a lot of, of hobbies played this year. Uh, wanted to get your guys' thoughts there, or am I just on an island?
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting in that and and for the Eckler stuff up until this point. It hasn't been very efficient receiving usage today. He had 12 for, for 96, which is pretty good for running back. But up until today, he had, you know, 16 targets for only 47 yards last week, week two, 10 targets for 55 yards. So like seeing that type of stuff is more like, oh, it kind of looks like the symptom of a broken offense more than like, this is what, (laughs) this is how they want to be playing when you see that sort of level of inefficiency on the targets um so yeah i i think that's that's an interesting point but i I guess does it change right like i don't know if herbert's gonna i don't know if it's O line i don't know if it's his ribs but it might be sort of a structural issue with the offense that that persists um so yeah i think it's an interesting interesting thing to bring up i didn't think about the rib injury in relation to eckler but um something definitely to monitor
1: yeah it's a good point and i mean it's definitely not uh not insignificant to be without Keenan Allen for a long time as well. So I think that that has ramifications throughout the entire offense that um, hopefully we'll, we'll see this offense working better now that Allen is back. Although if Mike Williams ends up being injured for a little while, that could also be be problematic. But I mean, you know, I'm happy with, <laughs> I'm happy with this kind of usage on all my Eckler teams. So not exactly complaining.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um saving the best for last year we want to talk cmc he had eight carries for 38 yards he also got two of his uh two targets for 24 yards i mean it's wheels up right for cmc
1: <laughs> <laughs> so hard to read to read into this game and this usage because i mean like yeah. if this is what you were gonna expect every week this would be disastrous <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> This is <real. laughs>
3: Um, no, but, but realistically, the guy I did want to get your, your your take on, Sam, here is Brandon Ayuk. Uh, 11 targets, 7 catches, 82 yards, no scores. Um Overtaking Debo Samuel, he saw 7 targets, 5 catches, 42 yards. Kittle did most of the damage, Six uh, caught 6 of his 9 targets, nice, for 98 yards and a score. But, you know, is this Ayuk usage for real, for real? Like, how are you, like, can you just... Plug him in and just plug and chug as a wide receiver too going forward.
2: Yeah, I think I think it's interesting with the San Francisco pass catchers, and now McCaffrey adds a whole another wrench uh, into the mix. But all three guys, I think Ayuk, Debo, and Kittle, are extremely talented. It's just that on how SF typically wants to play, usually one or sometimes even two of these guys is going to get left out on a weekly basis. That that said, like I think. Ayuk and Samuel's roles are a lot closer than the public sort of perceives. Um, looking at weighted targets for route run, Brandon Ayuk is about at about 50%. Samuel is a little bit higher than that, uh, around 55%. Um, but you know, those those are quite close. So I think with both of these guys, I'm starting them every week because I think they're really talented and the upside is there. But just with how SF wants to play there's there's going to be there's going to be floor games but um yeah i think that stuff looks looks pretty pretty promising to me and i'm i'm probably starting him you know unless i'm absolutely loaded at at wide receiver um on my teams
3: um on the other side i wanted to get your thoughts here on juju smith schuster second week in a row here where he's done you know really been fairly efficient on his volume he caught seven of his eight targets today for 124 yards and a score um you know there we were you know we, we saw flashes of him looking like juju Dustbuster for a while right <laughs> and so Blair, what are your thoughts sam what are your thoughts here with juju uh
1: yeah obviously i'm excited to see this from juju uh it's nice to kind of see him having what appears to be the start of a, a bounce back season um that we were all kind of hoping for so yeah i'm pretty optimistic i thought uh you know, I really liked what I saw from Nicole Hardman today, too, as well, and even Valdez Scantling had a pretty good game. So you know Mahomes is not gonna throw for four hundred and twenty three yards every day, but um but yeah, I think you've got to be pretty optimistic about that seeing yeah. they can still have these kind of games even without Tyreek Hill,
2: yeah, I agree. I think it was exciting to see uh the ceiling for Juju. I think there was like legitimate question after the first four or five weeks if that that ceiling still exists for him, and yeah you know not not to sound like a broken record but I think similar to you, can almost every wide receiver in the league there's going to be a ton of ups and downs with him but it's good to see that the ceiling is there and you know yeah I, I kind of agree like just film grinder take like when you watch him on the field he looks kind of slow and <laughs> not not that good like even his long plays I'm like Somebody's catching this guy in the open field like a d tackle is gonna uh chase this guy down but yeah i don't know uh he's obviously shown he's good at football before and i think this is definitely definitely exciting for him uh this MVS
3: stuff is kind of noise uh three catches on four targets for 111 yards um that's kind of noisy uh you know, Isaiah Pacheco was announced as the starter, but he didn't do all that much. Him and Edward Zolaire had a kind of a 50-50 split going and McKinnon actually worked in a lot more. Uh, what are your thoughts on his backfield and like, how are you playing it? I started yeah. Pacheco and I got rug pulled, but buddy, I got really rug pulled everywhere.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, uh, <laughs> that rap report uh, report this morning tricked me in a couple spots, uh, for sure. Um, But, yeah, I don't don't know. I guess it's, like, similar to the the Denver discussion, except obviously this is the Chiefs offense and not um, a Brett Rippian-led Broncos team. But it seems to be a pretty clear three-man split between Pacheco, CEH, and McKinnon. And I think we – like, I don't think any three of these guys, like, are good enough that they're going to, like, take the reins and dominate the backfield unless there's an injury to one of the other two. So – Yeah, I don't know. I think if you're desperate, you can start C.E.H. at R.B. two, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. Um, And I think like just with it's such a unique offense, right? And that so much of the offense goes through a tight end and Travis Kelsey that I think it sometimes like breaks our brains. Like we keep being like, oh, it's the Chiefs. Like let's find the running back points. Let's find the wide receiver points. And the answer is just Travis Kelsey, like (laughs) in the back, just stealing, stealing all the points in this offense. So. I got to remind myself sometimes that, um, chasing this chief stuff can be a little bit like, uh, you know, chasing your own tail, but, um, you should definitely still be holding Ronald Jones though, right? <laughs> yeah. You got to stash. They're just saving him for the, uh, the, the stretch run, uh, Three. week 17. He's, he's going to go that's, off. That's, that was
3: always the thesis behind drafting him in the eighth round. <laughs> you just need the hammer. Um, yeah. Sam, before but before we get you out of here, what are you looking forward to in this Finns in this Finn Steelers game that's gonna be on shortly? And I'm gonna just pretend like the Patriots pairs isn't happening tomorrow because that sounds like sadness.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited for some, you know, Najee Harris, four yard runs where he breaks three tackles. It's gonna be, <laughs> gonna be incredibly exciting. Now I uh, I think the um the Miami stuff is fun. Two has been out for a couple yeah. weeks. They've had this ridiculous stretch where like their starting quarterback gets injured on the first play for like three weeks <laughs> or hour, you know, not not quite that, but something close to it. Um, so I think Tua flashed a pretty big ceiling in this offense to start the year. The wide receivers are just so good. I mean, Tyreek is watching Tyreek this year has been ridiculous. He seems to be wide open every single play. So I'm really excited to see, um, see Tua back, and you know, it, it's not even really like Tyreek's been slowed down, but I think. It'll be fun to see him back in that offense. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I guess I'm just hoping that the that the Steelers can
3: push the Finns because I like to see both offenses going. Like I'm hoping to see a big Pickens game tonight.
2: Um, yeah, and I think the um, the Claypool stuff is interesting too with the trade rumors around him. It sounds like the latest is like he's unlikely to be dealt, but I think. Obviously, that the Steelers' incentive is to to say that type of thing, right? So, um, yeah, that's an interesting situation to monitor. Where I think it's three pretty talented wide receivers, and if, if Claypool was to be moved, then uh, Pickens could could really explode down the stretch.
1: Yeah, yeah, should be should be fun. I think um, probably the Steelers, at least if if we can see some of these receivers go off, this could be a more exciting game than then maybe we're expecting more, more points than, than, uh, than we're expecting. So it could be, it could be pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well on that note, uh, Sam, we already mentioned you're doing stat chasing with our buddy Connor O'Driscoll. Uh, definitely want to check that out. Where else can the people find you?
2: Yeah. Check out uh stat chasing. So um, if you're in the ship chasing discord uh, you can watch those tuesday nights live um, and hop in the chat to ask questions usually around 7 p.m on tuesdays and then obviously you can just find it on youtube and podcast apps um, after that for everybody else and yeah besides that i post the charts that i use um, or that connor and i talk through on stat chasing every week on twitter i try to get them out tuesday night so it's um, helpful for for folks doing waivers or whatever else you might might need them for i think they're relevant for waivers dfs um, best ball sort of anything in fantasy so yeah that's it but yeah thanks thanks a lot for having me on guys that was that was a ton of fun um definitely an interesting uh week to talk through and yeah had a good time
1: for sure yeah definitely check out sam's work um if you're not already subscribed to the biz channel make sure you do that give us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app and we will talk at you later